two. I'm doing the silent, not saying one, but doing the one and then pointing to me. Welcome back to La Magic Ass, everybody. It's been a while, I know, I understand, but we've heard your cries. We've heard the yearning and the call for La Magic Ass, so we are back. And yes, we have the original Hall of Fame crew. I've got Alex and I've got Julian. Guys, it's been about a year, sad to say. <laughs> But I am, I am so happy that, uh, we were able to get this to work. So happy to be talking with you guys about Roma, Syria, everything. How are you? Um, great guys. How are you guys? I'm doing quite well too. Thanks, Alex. How about you, Greg? I am doing well. So one of the first things I want to ask you guys is, you know, we have American ownership and, and we knew it was only going to be a matter of time before we brought in an American player. So we've got Michael Bradley now. And what what do you guys, like, is this, wait, what's that? That, that three years ago? Uh, okay, my bad, my bad. It's been so long. I was going to say, Greg, do you really want me to start on this topic? I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> do you really want to go there? <laughs> okay, so. What we're going to do, I'm going to lay out the agenda for everybody that's listening. We're going to give a brief review of last year. Then we're going to talk about the Mercato so far, what we hope is coming after, and then a little bit on Porto, and then the review or preview of the season upcoming. So, I mean, Julian, let's yeah. let's start. Well, first off, let me uh, give a little hat tip to Julian, who's been uh, writing for the official site. So congrats to you, Julian, on that. Um, if you want to follow his exploits. Um, but let's start with you. And, you know, again, we want to kind of be brief over this. Everybody knows the story. But I think it's important that we give the La Magic cast view on what happened in the 2015-16 season for AS Rome. I just want to say, I mean, everyone knows what happened. So I'll just give my viewpoint. I think that probably is more interesting than just, like, running through the season. Um, yep. I just want to say that... Um, I think that I'm a little bit more sympathetic to Rudy Garcia than probably any other Roma fan out there. And I think it's because his Roma were, in his first season, were so staggeringly good that after years and years and years of, you know, being outside of the Champions League and collapsing all the time, like, I, I really, like, I feel like we owe him a lot for that. And it's sad that he never really seemed to adapt and we never really seemed to figure it out after that. And, you know, we had a few misfits in the, in the transfer window and, but he, he, what he gave us was so special that year. And I'll, I've said this before on Twitter, and I'll say it again. If Roma ever released like a Blu-ray collection of the first ten games of that season, I would buy them and I would watch all those ten games like all the time because that's how yeah. like amazing they were. Yeah. Um, so sad to see him go. Necessary change, and I don't think you can really argue with what we've been under Spalletti. The team has been completely rejuvenated. Um, which I, I for one, didn't see coming. So I'll hold my hands up there. I really didn't. I thought we would be better, but I didn't think we were going to be that good. And it also helped that our January signings were absolutely spot on, like, across the board. So we've been a joy to watch again. We've been playing some absolutely unreal soccer, um, football, couch show, whatever you want to call it. And um, it's been nice. I'm actually really excited to see what the season has in store for us. Alex, your take, 2015-16. I will say that the the first half of the season with, with Rudy Garcia, I don't think I have felt so little for Roma as I did um, right before Christmas. I mean, uh, I'm passionate about the club, you know, but 
I think that speaks volume of how bad things were at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So, of course, I didn't expect Spalletti to do what he did, but I was happy when when he came back, and obviously that was the right move. So, I would say that turnaround and the salvation of Roma, it was kind of an amazing. Uh, experience and, and to land that third place after that horrible start is, you know, I would say that it was a very interesting season, uh, very t- typical Roma season, you know, <laughs> painfully, but you know, some some sweetness in there as well. Yeah, we don't yeah. really do boring, do we? No, no. no. <laughs> I I hate to say it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Here we go. Here and we I'm, go. I told you that this was going to happen. Here we go. I told you that he has no ability to adjust. And you guys, you know, first it was preseason games. You're like, oh, it's just preseason games. What does it matter? I said, what matters is we're playing the same thing. We're doing the same thing. We're making the same mistakes. And we're having running into the same problems and lack of adjustments. And, you know, in all seriousness, though, I mean, Julian, your points about that first season are incredibly accurate. Um, and I think that bought him the time that he had, right? Because, yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, that absolutely. something, he did something in order to create that, right? So I, I completely right. give him, um, you know, the, the time that he was given. And I understand why they wanted to try and... and uh, you know, see if he could reclaim that touch. But it started the second half of the second of the first season, um, when he struggled, uh, the team struggled, and he struggled to kind of find a way once teams started to kind of figure things out and happened all throughout the next season. Uh, and then into, you know, the, the start of last year. And, and it's unfortunate. And, you know, he had, you know, definitely had moments of, of where the team was playing extremely well, uh, beyond the first 10, of course. Um, but you could just see, and, and so when Alex, when you talk about, you know, that December time frame when it was just like, this team is incapable of getting three points, and then they finally pull the trigger after the holidays, I mean, I look at that, and, and granted, you know, in our conversations that we were having that were LaMagicast worthy, but not capable of being recorded, it should have happened well before then. So if you look at like, yeah, it was an amazing third place finish, that probably could have slash should have been second if we had mitigated some of those draws and losses towards the the back end of 2015. Yeah, and but, I think that I'm going to interrupt you real quick, Greg, because I think that's right a really interesting really interesting point is how many people love Maurizio Sarri and the stuff he's doing at Napoli, which is incredible. Don't get me wrong, but if you think about how bad we were and the fact that we finished third, oh, yeah. um, I yeah. don't know how you could even argue that Spalletti over the second half of the season wasn't a better coach than. Saudi was. I think that Saudi should have pushed Juve a little bit more. Um, I agree. Than they did, and I think that um, I think that I'm stupidly optimistic about finishing second this year, which I'm sure this is going to haunt me. But um, <laughs> very interested to see what this Napoli side can do without Higuain, without Higuain playing as a man possessed last season. Yeah, exactly. Because there's there's Higuain playing. I mean, let's. I mean, he's obviously a very gifted striker. Um, but what he did uh, last year was. Um, certainly, you know, uh, otherworldly for him. 
Um, but I just want to wrap up my thoughts on 2016, 2016 portion of last year, and then we can move on. And, and with the naming of Spalletti, I wanted this so badly, but I want to caveat that by saying I didn't honestly think it was going to work out, but it was just completely nostalgia. I just, uh, I, I, li- I could listen to this Same man here. speak. I could listen to him speak Italian like 24-7, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he's him so speak. He's refreshing too, isn't he? Like he's very, yeah. he's so very honest, very forthcoming. That's what I was going to say is like I could listen to him speak about Roma and, you know, Rome as well because he understands the nut place, you know, the nut house that is Rome. Um, so I, for me, it was just like, listen, if he if he just plays out the string with Totti and, and like they both kind of either angrily or arm in arm, walk, you know, walk into the sunset, like I would have been okay with that. I mean, I, I listen. I know what he can bring to the table from a coaching perspective. I completely respect that, and he was a genius uh, during most of his time here, uh, the first go around at Roma. Um, so, I, you know, I had some level of confidence, but um, you know, I, I did not anticipate the kind of performances that the team put together, uh, and the, and how much of it was was down to him. So, very very pleasant. Al Shadowy back into the player that made him a sensation at Milan. That says yeah, it all. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, confidence in a, especially in a striker, um, is just so, so key. And he believed in him. He said, listen, I want you to come here and we're, you know, you're going to play and we're going to get you back. And, you know, he scored that crazy kind of side slash back heel for his first goal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and that just, you know, you could see the, the smile on his face was just, not only was it joy, but it was, it was part relief, right? It was just like, ah, oh, oh, finally getting this monkey off my back and, uh, I can really kind of just start thinking about playing again. And, and then the last piece of that puzzle is he plays so well in Spalletti's system, right? And, you know, that system has evolved even. You know, it's not just going to always be 4-2-3-1, and it's got many different shapes and sizes, and he's much more tactically uh, adept or, or adjustable, which is saying something because he was always very uh, very strong in that area to begin with. So very happy about that. And I think that probably allows us to close the loop on last season. Well, we good? Just, just one. Okay, one. moving on to <laughs> the next topic. Maybe just <laughs> to mention uh, what could have been a nightmare that looked like a nightmare when it first started. Uh, the Totti issue, because um, oh yeah, good point. Um, I don't know how you guys uh, experienced the whole ordeal. At first, when I heard about the press conference, I was like, oh, God, he's going yeah. to retire. This is, you know, yeah. I braced myself uh, for a very emotional <laughs> day. And mm-hmm. then and then it, it was this interview, and I was at first relieved, but after a few days, I was very disappointed about the whole thing, and everything Why? erupted. Because well, there's the, the whole when unprofessional called thing. him out, yeah. right? Yeah, he said I should be playing more. I deserve respect. I'm it's I'm a the legend most or whatever. Unprofessional thing he's ever done. But you know, in hindsight, I'm happy th- that it happened because Spalletti and Totti had to solve uh, yeah. their. Yeah. Shit. But, yeah. Um, yep. but yeah. it was. I mean, this is was, a family podcast now. <laughs> I can bleep that if you. If, <laughs> 
Yeah, just kidding. No, no, but we don't need to talk much about yeah. that thing. Yeah, but no, it's, it's a good point. I'd, I'd actually like to, to have us all give a, a, a chance to, to speak on that because the ramifications, you know, and this is to your point, Alex, that they had to actually figure that out. And then what came after that, I think, is the true value of bringing this point up because they f- – you know, they had their conversation. They figured some things out and basically eventually got to the point where Toti became this like super, super sub. And, you know, his performance the last uh, third of the season in games that were extremely vital to Roma stay, getting in and staying in third. I mean, it was just immense. You can't put any kind, I mean, you want to talk about like cementing his legendary status and, uh, you know, I have to imagine that there are Juve fans are going, well, we could have done that with Del Piero, right? <laughs> um, and, and expected, oh, and expected, oh, Greg, do you know results, what you've just right? done? <laughs> well, do you I know mean, how I, many Juve fans on Twitter are going to hear about this somehow from the 14 people who listen and jump all over your mentions? Why would I have to jump? I think they would appreciate <laughs> that, right? Don't you think they would have liked to have kept him around? Um, um well, so, I mean, of course, think they would have, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, I look at that and I'm like, I just, he, and he seemed to adjust and appreciate the role. He's like, hey, I, I'd love to start, but I likely don't have it in me to play the full game anyway. So if I'm going to play, at least now I'm playing when it matters most and I'm able to contribute to the team in a way that is more significant than just being able to say that I started. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I feel pretty much the same way. So, agreed. Sweet. Sweet. All right. So, now that we've done uh, 2015-16, is done and dusted, let's move on to the Mercato so far. Um, I'm going to start this off just by saying I think, and granted, it's not, nothing is completely done yet, but similar to getting Strutman back last year, our, one of our best signing is just going to really kind of fall into retaining a player, uh, and that's going to be Nangolan. Um, he's had many suitors, probably you know, are throwing large sums of money at him personally and at the club. Uh, and at least to date, <laughs> at the timing of this podcast, eight fourteen, um, he is choosing to stay in Rome, and I think what that does to the club, what that does to the organization, to his teammates, to the coaching staff, speaks volume. So even though it's you know it's technically you know a signing that has to happen still or a extension or whatever, uh, I think that's a significant move. Um, and in my mind, which this will shock nobody, more significant than the loss of Pjanic. Yeah. I was I was just going to say, Greg practically brokered the deal to get Pjanic out of Roma. Yeah. Um, he was just starting to play well. Um, yeah, I think we kept the more important midfielder, which was nice. Um, and it, it's 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 frustrating because when we made all these sales the first few years, it was out of necessity for money, right? And yeah. now Pjanic had nothing to do with money. His contract was up, and he just didn't want to stay anymore. We actually sold him at. An incredibly low fee, which sucked, but we, you know, the club really was in no position. Um, he could have easily gone for, I mean, if Pug was worth 105 million, you would get, you know, Pjanic's stats and, uh. I mean, he resigned due to uh, the release clause. It's like, you either get 
expect that the player to resign or you have to sell. And we resigned him with a 38 million release clause that will give the club 30 million, which uh, 30 million one, two years ago or one year ago was a very good slump of money. That's true. Unfortunately, times have changed, though. I mean, 30 million, you look around now, 30 million is uh, what Yannick Bolesi is going to Liverpool for. So um, it's sad, but it's, we could have gotten much more for him. But I, I really have no sympathy for players who leave the club because they want to leave. Merdolin Pjanic does not really occupy my thoughts anymore. Um, he can do whatever he feels is best Me for his career. It's totally his prerogative. Um, but <laughs> I, um, I, you know, like I've said this a million times, but you see guys like Florenzi out there who lives in breathes and dies for this shirt and i would be 50 times more heartbroken if lorenzi left in a way that you know Giannis leaving never ever would affect me so good riddance i mean good riddance to him i hope he finds well i don't hope he finds whatever yeah it sucked because he went to juventus yeah that's 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 the other piece too yeah it's it's only who he went to not like i can't win here so i'm gonna go here i'm gonna force this move uh, to, to go, which, you know, I mean, I think Toti kind of had the comments, you know, about this. It was in and around the Iguain, uh, deal. Um, he's not saying that it's necessarily wrong that these players do it. He's saying that they have the right to do it, but he's also just kind of questioning and asking, he's like, well, whatever happened to the people that played, you know, you know, for the, for the loyalty and for the support of the club and, and for the love of the game, he's like, it's like yeah. you have every right to do it. Yeah. But you know, here's here's why I did what I did, and I don't. Whatever happened to those uh, those kinds of things? As, speaking of uh, Totti staying at Roma for the love of the club, I'm probably going to piss off more Juve fans. But um, I, I guess in, in FIFA 17, uh, they've got some uh, new feature that's like called One Club, you know, Legends. And and they have Buffon listed under Juventus. Oh and, come on, that's and that's and somebody took like a screen grab of like his wiki page where it's like you know Parma, you know these this year right. to this year. Um, so yeah, just thought yeah. that was kind of humorous. I mean um, Buffon, I think all of us love Buffon. He's absolutely yeah, legendary. Yeah, absolutely, legend, legend, without question. By definition, he's not a one club. Yeah, player. yeah, yeah. It's I, just I, it's just the way it works. He's not Ryan yeah, Giggs. Just, not, it, I just thought it was fun. Yeah, um, but yeah, so. Um, He's like Lampard, really. Yeah. It's like Del Piero. Like Del Piero, yeah, like Del Piero, like Lampard. Alright, that's those two. We, I think we've covered midfield as far as Nangolan and Pjanic go. Yes. I just want to honestly say, looking at the lineup this year, I don't think we're weakened compared to last season. I think we're stronger. I think we're anything. stronger too, yeah. And I think if, if this deal for Bruno Perez goes through, I think we're indubitably stronger. Um, and I mean, once I tweeted about this today, but once our, all of our injuries return, we can play a back line of Rui, Manolas, Rudinger, and then potentially Bruno Perez with Allison behind them. I mean, that is miles above some of the back lines we put out last season. It's not even close. Are you, are you saying Vermeilen won't start or are you just anticipating <laughs> on him being hurt? I, um, well, I think a mixture of both. I think a that, both. Um, I think that Rudinger forms such a good partnership with Manolas. It's really, really unfortunate. I, I sympathize for him. He gets called up to the German national team and has to miss the Euros over it. Um, yeah. And I think he really matured into quite a good defender. He's, you know, he's no Paolo Maldini back there, but he's, he's come a long way and he, he went from just being a very 
physical guy to one who was starting to read the game well, became very technical in how he played over time. Um, so I expect either, you know, Vermalion, of course, or Juan Jesus is going to partner Manolas for now. I'm uh, anticipating probably Vermalion. We're probably going to see Juan Jesus out where Rui should be. And yep. then Bruno Perez on the other side, which is, I still, I also think it's still a very, very good back line. I think that's, you know, uh, again, look at some of the back lines we trotted out last season. I think miles better. And this is the area that was supposedly Sabatini's weak point. And, um, I mean, I think this was a hell of a Mercato for our defense. If Rui hadn't gotten injured and Rudinger hadn't gotten injured, we'd have probably the deepest back line we've had in years and years and years. Yeah. I mean, we were quite unlucky with the ACL injuries. Oh, my God. It's brutal. Absolutely but, uh, brutal. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say that even with Pjanic's departure, uh, Strutman, I really believe if he, you know, <laughs> doesn't break his knee again, um, he will he will uh, slot into that midfield uh, alongside Nangola. And, and then the only thing I would say we would lack after Pjanic is that that crea- creative um, visionary midfielder. But as long as we have someone like Perotti on the side who came uh, in the winter Mercato, I, I think he's one of the most underrated players. In oh the my god, I could I could sit here and. And eulogize about Diego Perotti and how phenomenal I think he's been. Um, I don't think we've seen a player with so much guile and so much technicality to his touches and his positioning. In quite, and Sounds I don't understand talking. how nobody picked this guy up. He was sitting at Genoa for a year and a half, and yeah. Well, I mean, on, you know, it, it's wow. this is this is one where you you got to give Sabatini credit to to see beyond uh, the numbers because I think he was like one in three goal and assist. Or something like that, um, throughout the first 14 games. And then I think he played 14 or so for Roma and, you know, like, what was he? Seven, three, three goals, seven assists or three, eight yeah. or something. And I don't of know. course he's surrounded, he's surrounded by much better guys. On yeah, he's surrounded he's by been, better players, but it's, it's about, it's about, so well. yeah, it's so, about so the well. skill set. It's about the skill set for, you know, and, and the supporting players. And this was kind of, you know, always been one of my biggest criticisms of the team, um, over the last, you know, probably four, four years is our ability to have a player that can unlock a defense in the final third. And that was yeah. always my biggest criticism of Pjanic was, you know, he's, oh, but he had 93% passing. Yeah. Well, 70, you know, uh, of, let's say, <laughs> you know, 90% of those 93% of his passes were back passes or side passes in the middle yeah. of the pitch or, or fine or the back third, you know? Yeah, people um, wondering how we're going to replace Pjanic. A, I don't think we need to. I think if you play, so, I mean, there's a few different ways. You put in Paredes where he was. I think Paredes is developing to a regista. If develop. Paredes doesn't play, you know, if he doesn't play or we sell him, then you play a, you play a two of Strutman and Nengolan. One of them stays back. One of them makes their runs forward. And with Perotti and the guy we have up top, I don't think we necessarily need him or, I think an obvious solution we're all overlooking is Perotti is very, very good on the ball. Why not drop him deeper? I think I think we were going to see, and this again goes to uh, Spalletti's credit. I think we're going to see a lots of lot of different looks. And even when Perotti was playing that false nine, he did that Totti role really well, oh, where he so was well. dropping back into the you know the midfield to come pick up the ball and uh, and try and distribute out to the wings. And so I, I think you're going to see a lot of tactical flexibility. And, and that's when you look at the players that we have. Um, I, I think that's going to really play to the strengths. But I, I want to kind of get back to Strutman for a second. Um, 
the team just has such a different identity when he plays. Uh, the guy is just an absolute animal. Um, I mean, all I have to say is, no, you know, right? I mean, that to me perfectly sums up who Kevin Strootman is for this club. You have to right? explain that one. It's the, the, the press conference when, man, I'm really just <laughs> going to be not in any Juve fans favor for this, but they asked, <laughs> they asked him, this was after Pjanic left, they asked him, like, would you ever play for, for Juventus? And he kind of just chuckled and he's like, no. There's, there's a definite parallel between Roma's success and lack of success that first year and beyond with Kevin Strootman's injury. So, while we can't say it 100% of the cause is because of that, I think it's probably understated as to how important he was to this team and the relationship, the relation between the uh, struggles that they had once, once he was no longer on the pitch. I, I, I agree. And uh, just imagine him being, if, if he's uh, back where he used to be, just imagine him and Angolan playing together for a whole season because we haven't yeah. had that yet. Then what that does is that makes, you know, I think Julian was kind of making this point a little bit earlier, um, the loss of Pjanic, and, and you can put somebody like a Paredes out there and give him some time to, to grow and and uh, and improve, um, but also at the same point in time, you know, there's that Dorossi guy who can play still. So, you know, I think we're, we're in decent shape as far as the, uh, the midfield goes. Um, but let's, let's just talk a little bit about our midfield. Uh, cause we just talked about four guys right there, right? So we have Dorossi, Paredes, uh, Strutman and Nangolan. But if we get Perez, then we, in essence, Sign, quote unquote, air quotes, sideways, up, down, and under, uh, Florenzi, you know, pretty much gets now moved up and can be used as a midfielder. Also, so now we have, yeah. and also we have a fifth. And yeah, well, I don't know if he's gonna stay, um, the, the last reports I read were that he's doing well, but not quite good enough to actually be utilized as much for the big club. He, so at, yeah, at this age, he will be loaned out. You think? I think he might. I think he might. Uh, it's it's tough because they you know they spent some money on this kid, but um, you know you also don't want somebody that age sitting on the bench if they don't feel like he's actually going to get playing time. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. But either way, that's yeah, that's that's another body. Um, so, but let's take a look at the, the five that we already kind of, uh, talked about. How are we gonna get playing time? And I understand we're playing on multiple things, but, you know, do we really have a, and can we really envision a season with multiple games where Florenzi isn't playing most of those games? Right? Because if we just, if we talk about our best possible lineup based on the players we have, he's, He's not in that lineup. I mean, he's our utility guy. He will be, depending on, on the needs, I think, I think he will be playing a lot of games, uh, as a substitute. Uh, and when injury and fatigue and all these things yeah. and form 
uh, I think he will get his chance to prove himself. I think he will play a lot, and that's really what matters. Yeah. This is a guy who, as a right back, even though he didn't always play right back, but he mostly played right back. I think he potted seven goals last year, um, and that's pretty phenomenal because he goes forward so well. Uh, which I do think means that he kind of becomes an option, not only he pretty much anywhere on that right side. He can be uh, the right back. He can be a right wing back. He can be a right mid. And he could also be a a, a right forward, you know, a right winger if uh, if need be. So like you're saying, like he's that utility man, that guy that can be whatever the team needs. Um, I, I kind of wish he did a little bit better uh, at left back. Um, cause then, you know, again, if this Perez deal goes through, he could kind of be that, uh, sub, um, you know, on the left side. Uh, but during the Euros, he looked a little bit uncomfortable, uh, on the left side, uh, not quite as comfortable as he did kind of slotting into, uh, that right, uh, right back position. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, like I, you know, you, you kind of, get used to having a certain place in the hierarchy within a, a team and and then you bring some players in and you're like you did an amazing job last year here's the bench you know and that's that's a bit frustrating as an athlete Spalletti is a demanding coach so he will only pick the ones who will give him what he wants and that's a victory so yep which... what do you think of the other uh, names that we've been linked to in the midfields We've got uh, Diawara, uh, probably butchering that pronunciation. Um, yeah. Borja Valero, who just got hurt. I don't know how severe his injury is. And then there's uh, Tillmans. The Paredes Diawara issue. I think Spalletti said, "If if we can upgrade, we upgrade." He said. Yeah. So when he say he wants Paredes to stay, you know, that's. Probably because everyone sees he, the boy got talent, but you never know if if they see that the and they feel that um, the Avara is an upgrade. Why wouldn't they try to replace? The, but the thing, the thing for me is, is that I I agree with you, and um, but there's there's a few things going on here. I don't see Paredes and the Avara as the same type of player. So if the issue is uh, tactical, then I get it. Um, but what I think the goal here is, is uh, to try and get somebody a little bit more, you know, like, yeah, but Perez is coming along great, right? And, and he's certainly moving forward and, and, you know, improving and this and that. But like, is that what, is that the kind of player you need when you're, you know, looking to supplant, you know, remove Juve from the top spot. And, and that's the, that's the difference. Like the reason why Roma always play this bridesmaid role is that we're adding players who, who might be, who could be, are just about to be. And they do well. And they do well. And they, and they work real hard. And they eventually can do and do become something. But everybody else is adding the already theirs established veteran, you know, kind of like superstars. And, yeah, and I mean, it's like, if, from that perspective though, it's like, you, you gotta give the hat tip to Roma for even competing with these, some of these teams. Absolutely. I think, I think the only tier one team we have in Italy is Juventus. 
Yeah. Uh, yep. every, everyone else is a tier two. It's Napoli. It's in, uh, well, okay, Inter Milan has the resources, but it's Napoli and Roma is a tier two uh, yep. club. And you can't really buy and expect us to buy uh, world-class players. Yeah. Um, we can't expect the club to develop to a tier one club within you know, a short span of years. But if the goal is to uh, develop... I guess we have to be patient and you know it's disappointing to see our stars leave but like Manolas and there's a rumor about um, at Barcelona having first option on Manolas if we decide to sell they will have the option to buy him for the price set I think but regardless yeah, they have right of first refusal they don't have to do it, but exactly. if they do, the prices they get the first chance to buy, and that price is already determined. Yeah, Correct. but but I think it, we have to realistically see that Manolas is probably leaving us at some time. I don't think he's a kind of player that will stay forever um, because he's that good. And I think when the mind is set to win something, and we have a tier one club like Juventus who let's face it, they will win uh, the league with ease the next years. Um, maybe we can challenge them if we're lucky. But the thing is, we have players that doesn't have that same relationship with Roma that we have. I mean, they play for the club, yes, but we can't expect right. them not to be hungry to achieve something greater. And, right. and the argument of keeping all the stars... It's not easy if the players want to leave. And if Manola say, well, I won't sign a new contract unless you have a clause. Is it better to sell Manolas now because we, we know that he won't resign? Or is it better to agree on a clause set on 40 million, for instance? This is, right. this, this is the stuff the club has to deal with every day. And I think yeah. when Pjanic had a contract that was one year or 18 months left, the club said, well, we want to resign you. And he said, well, you know, I want a class. What do you do? Do you sell Pjanic after three kind of mediocre seasons? Or do you give him a new contract with the class and put a price tag that you would be happy with? And, uh, you know, it's so many variables, stuff you have to, you know, that we as fans can't really comprehend it's right. it's like a, the most <laughs> job in the world. I'm yeah, sorry it's, about it's the language, easy. and and that's why people hate so much on Palotta. And I'm I'm like, I mean, who wants complicating that job? this? Complicating it even further is, I mean, the stadium was supposed to be built already. Yeah, you know the amount of BS that that you know they've gone through. How many times has it been approved? Like five, six. So you know, from their standpoint, the ability to have that recurring revenue. Uh, you know, from the, from the stadium, um, you know, would have already started and been in place. So, um, not, not by a lot. I mean, maybe I think this year or last year would have been the first year that it's supposed to have been, you know, in action. Now we're looking at what, 2020, 2019, 20 season or something like that. Um, and that's if everything proceeds as planned, you know, <laughs> compared to, uh, the stops and starts that we've had in the past. So, you know, all these things, as, as your, to your points, you know, they all complicate things and they all, um, have 
a cost and not just financial cost, but a cost to the club. So from that standpoint, you look at, we acquired a player for X and we sold them for Y and Y is like a lot more than X is. Yeah. I mean, it stinks to lose that player, but I mean, that's, that's solid business, right? And we're reinvesting that money. We're not taking it and saying, great, I'm going to go buy a shiny new jet. You know, no, that money goes out and trying to get players to replace your points about, uh, Lamella and, and even Marquinhos and, and, uh, Osvaldo, some of these other players that we've sold coming off of good, if not albeit controversial and Osvaldo's perspective, um, seasons, you know, it's some, the, the value that we've gotten back seems to have been kind of, you know, made up from that. So, uh, it's, it's very difficult and there are contributing factors. Um, however, again, this is where I look at, you know, there's there, value, the word value. Are we getting, you know, the most out of what we have? And I think by and large, while we're frustrated, while we want to see somebody else wear the crown and we want that somebody else to be us, um, with what we've got and the way we go out there and the results that we put forth, I mean, I, I have to think that, you know, we're in the large part overachieving in a lot of ways. Um, but now we do have a tremendous amount of talent. So that only goes so far, right? Like third place last year was a bit, you know, we could almost say, or did we slightly underachieve? Uh, so at, at this point, it's a little bit of semantics and we're kind of, you know, pulling hairs a little bit, but, uh, I do feel like it's, it's difficult when we get through these Mercato sessions, when it's like the names that we're kind of looking at versus some of the, you know, teams that we're playing against, whether it's, you know, on a European scale or within Italy. Um, but going back to the original point, you know, the getting the player that's more established, like I think Borja Valero is one of those guys, that type of player, just forget him individually, but the guy that, you know, he's played in Italy a while, He's established. He's a veteran. He has the right skill set for the, for the position that, you know, Roma's looking to fill. You know, the, your, the bigger stages won't necessarily frighten him. Uh, the bigger teams in Italy won't necessarily frighten him. So, like that, these kind of, like, Nangolan was the same way, right? Getting him was not like, you know, oh, we're kind of taking a risk with this guy, uh, to bring him in and, and, you know, hopefully he develops into something. Like, we, we knew exactly what we were getting. And I think if, if those were just, I mean, they are now, but you know, if you look at those kinds of players sprinkled around, I think that's why you look at those kinds of signings and favor that kind of a signing over the, you know, up and comer. Unless it's Tillman, because I freaking love that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it makes sense that we were looking for, uh, someone similar to, to the brains of Peck. Pizarro, um, yeah. because he was vital in Spalletti's system, and and, and it's not it, a knock on Paredes at all. No, I mean Paredes is the future, but you want end product. Valero could be that guy, absolutely, um, but um, I don't think it will be. Yeah, yeah no, no, it's I think not he's likely just anymore. It. Yeah, but the thing is, it's it's a reason we perhaps would go after someone like him. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's why I said, like, you can, you can take him and, you know, his name and throw it out the door. Uh, but it's, it's more about the, uh, uh, 
the, the type of player, the experience level, you know, obviously with an accompanying and the uh, appropriate skill level to go with it. But the who are we talking is- about? Hey, Eddie. Sorry. So you should always charge your phone before doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> we, we just, it's all right. We had an extremely lengthy talk about the midfield. We talked about the current roster. We talked about the possible, uh, additions of a Borja Valero type. We oh, no. About, totally against it. Uh, any other midfield, uh, thoughts in terms of either players coming in, players going out, or who, I mean, who, should, like who should play and I'd like it to be the way it is. I'd like to keep Paredes if we can afford it, because um, I, I think he's going to turn into like a tidy little player. If he has to be sacrificed, you know, it, it would be sad. But again, I would much rather sacrifice a player who's never played for Roma than one who means so much. So if it's like, you know, we have to sell someone to bring in Perez, much rather Paredes than, say, Nengolan, if, if it comes down to like that kind of, you know, choice. Um, I like the midfield the way it is. I really don't think Pianichi is much replacing. His, you know, his assists are gonna obviously, his free kicks are gonna be hard to replace. Um, but in terms of like the actual manpower, we have, I think we have the guys who can, we might have to change the style up, but I think we can do it. I think it's, you know, I think it's possible. Agreed. Yeah, I honestly don't think much has to change. Um, I think while I understand, and again, I, I don't mean to get on my Pionage sandbox again, but, I think, and you again, won, I, Greg. I'm, I'm, I'm not, okay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to undervalue the, the, the power that free kick scoring has because it's obviously a tremendous weapon. But I think when you look at the loss of Pjanic, that's the biggest question we have in terms of replacing him. And that about wraps up our midfield. Now we're going to move on to the forward line and not much has really happened in terms of uh, forwards in terms of movements in the Mercato. Uh, the only player that really has been kind of mentioned is possibly Iturbe, uh, moving on. Now, I think the last we heard was that he's staying, so who knows about that, but don't want to spend too much time on him because I really don't see him as being a factor one way or the other. So, I think the big question is, coming out of last year, Ed Jekko was, you know, just had this kind of cloud hanging over him. He just, you know, did not have a great season, missed more than one like empty net kind of goal situation. Uh, his touch in front of net has been less than spectacular. However, has a particular set of skills that nobody else on the team does, and he's had a fairly good and composed preseason. So my question is, is Roma right to retain him, and what do you think he needs to do differently other than finish to have a good season for Roma? Is this open to everyone or specifically me because I missed this? Uh, this is Go open ahead. to everyone because we didn't talk about it yet. Oh, okay. We had just started. Well, would you like to go first, Alex? Rejoined. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the last season for him was such a big disappointment. I, I can't really see him being... I, I, can, I can I can see him only improving. Um, that said, with Perotti coming in, I don't see him starting in our best lineup either. So it depends hmm. on the, 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 the yes, it was the right thing to do to retain him because now Spalletti has two sets of uh, styles up front. So yeah, it really it's a matter of system and tactics more than. If it's 
it's uh, right to play Perotti or Zeko. So um, I'm happy to, to see him stay because he, he needs to avenge last season. Yeah, I think that um, I think that we've we really have a very nice deep team in a lot of ways, and I think that we can play pretty much two very different ways up top. Jaco is is the kind of out and out striker that for so long everyone thought Roma lacked, and then he came last season, and something was something was off, uh, no doubt. But I think it'd be fo- I don't know I think it's foolish to write off any player after one season, especially in a new league, especially when he showed so much promising glimpses last year, and um. He, I think traditionally he's always done better in his second season as well. I could again be making all of this up. I have no statistics in front of me. Um, but I think that give him, an, give him another chance. He's adapted to life in Italy. Um, give him another chance under Spalletti's system. Let him be a focal point. Let him get a few goals under his belt and like, let's see what he's capable of. I think, and, I think um, t- go ahead, Jim. And no, I, I would just say I think it'd be foolish to write him off at this point. Um, it's only been, it's only been one year. Um, I, I would give him another and then see how it goes. And then if it's if it's not working out, I don't think there's any shame in admitting that it unfortunately didn't work out. But after one season, I'm not ready to write him off yet. My my thoughts are uh, like I agree that those these are those are the exact steps and pieces that need to happen in order for him to kind of find himself again and get back on track and and really kind of uh, you know become the striker that he has been. Uh, you know, in different parts of his career. Um, the problem that I see and that Alex kind of pointed to is that our likely best 11 that we will put out most games, not all, but most, probably doesn't have him out there. Uh, when you look at, you know, who would get sacrificed, and I really, I'm guessing it's really going to come down to Jekko and El Sharawi, right? Those are the two that are going to be interchangeable. Because you think Perotti, so? You think that you would just kind of straight swap the two? No, not positionally, but in terms of the uh, when one plays, the other won't, right? So I think if, they could both play. I think you could have Jaco flanked by Salah and Alshawi. But then where's Perotti? So Perotti either gets benched in this case, or he can drop deeper in midfield. I mean, I think a four-two-three-one has all four of them on at the same time. I mean, it's possible. So then, who but, who but, doesn't who doesn't play then? Yeah. So in that case, we'd only get you know it goes Strootman and Nangolan, and then Dorossi. Sorry. Dorossi sits. So Dorossi sits. Dorossi or Paredes, whatever a midfielder. Right. Loses but again, out. I think that's I think it's good. Like I think we we are the kind of team that needs a player. Like we should have that kind of quality on the bench. I mean, look at Juventus. Look at the players they have sitting. Um, you oh, know, yeah. in most games. Yeah, and I think it goes back to the points we made earlier, just about tactical flexibility. I mean, if there was anything that marred the, you know, the bad portions of the Garcia, it was a lack of tactical flexibility. Absolutely. Um, whilst whilst having probably players capable of that flexibility. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, want to do counterattacking football, you can you easily keep the two holders as you know Nangolan and Strootman. We got to see if they can play together. I'm not 100 percent convinced, but I think they're both smart enough to be able to. You keep them as a pivot kind of, or however you want to play them. And then you have those four up front, which would be devastating on the counter. If you want to play the more possession-based, you probably sit one of Perotti. I don't know. I think El Shadaway and, and Salah are undroppable based on what we saw last season. So I think it'd be very silly to drop either of them. Perotti to an extent, too. But, you know, if you want to get Paredes in there or De Rossi um, for, to more have a little bit more control, then one of them probably does have to sit. But I think it, I think it depends. I think it depends on... 
is this a midweek game? Are we in a Champions League game that week? How big is it? You know, like it, it's going to be nice to yeah. be able for Spalletti to make that call. Yeah. I mean, do, are we playing a team with small center backs? <laughs> I mean, it could be right. as simple as that, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, that's one of the things that I, I've appreciated about Perotti probably uh, more than anybody is his head game uh, with the ball in the box. He is so good at, you know, so many players, especially on Roma, they just get to the byline and chuck it in. Right, they just cross it blindly, no idea where anybody is, and uh, it, it just it drives me absolutely nuts. And Perotti is so smart; he may make a move to go to the to the end line, he may make a move to cut back inside, but his his moves and his passing is always very very directed and intentional. Like if I have to see Florenzi sky one more ball, like. Out of bounds or, or over this, the line. This man oh, plays God. wherever you ask him to play. I know. I He'll know. He'll do whatever you ask him to do. And all anyone does is talk about how bad of a fullback he is. Uh, I'm not saying he's a bad fullback. I'm just saying that his crosses drive me nuts. Like, make it, make, make an adjustment, please. I know. Just well, one. He's, yeah, crosses, crossing is hard. There's a reason so few players are good at it. Um, so, like, that's one of the things that I, I appreciate about him the most. And so you look at that combination. Uh, you know, I, I look forward to potentially him and Jekko hooking up uh, a bit more um, this season if uh, if they're on the pitch at the same time because he's just so good and he he's even shown it, uh, especially the two of them actually a little bit in the preseason. Um, they've hooked up on some some good uh, you know passing plays and well, um, we should talk about that too, right? I mean, how much of Jekko's bad form is due to the fact that we don't really we didn't really have fullbacks who were great at crossing. I mean. I really like Digne for what it's worth, and I think he was very good offensively. But, yeah, you have a guy like Florenzi. What's the difference for Jeco if Bruno Perez is giving him the ball instead? Well, I, yeah, I don't I think mean, the problem with Jeco was not creating chances. He was creating <laughs> them. So. All right, you know what? Well, I'm going to take back what I said. That's fair. No, no, you're it's you're both right. That's that's a it's it's a really good point um, because. Let's say that somebody was getting the, he did not have very many good headed chances on goal. Right? So. Right. And I, uh, if I remember a lot of his, you know, the misses that he was ridiculed for, I don't think many of them were headers. I actually think a lot of them no. were like open net trying to, you know, pass the ball into the net, but it, it went wide or he skied Correct. over. But I think Correct. with heading, he's actually pretty accurate. Now, again, I'm, this is my memory and. I watched pretty much every single Roma game in the past, you know, however many years. But yeah, I could be it, wrong about this. But I remember he's heading pretty good last season. Yeah, I mean, not every. I mean, there were a couple times where he had open headers and he, you know, right. put it right in the goalie's hands. Um, but that's at least on frame. So, but to, to the point, if the, if he had more opportunities like that uh, with somebody a little bit better at crossing the ball on either side, I'm not pinging Florenzi. Um, on either side, uh, and he pots one, one or two or three of those more, maybe he doesn't miss those sitters on his foot, right? Yeah, what difference does that make to his confidence? High. Exactly, exactly. I mean, look at, I mean, this guy was the, you know, best thing since sliced bread after the Juve goal, right? Like, oh yep. my gosh. Which was finally, finally we've got that guy. It, it wasn't really, I mean, it went in. <laughs> it was a bit awkward, but it went in. Um, but like, it, it was like, he had confidence. He had scored a couple, you know, goals early on in the we season. We finally beat Juventus for the first time in like how many? Yeah, like, the, exactly. So there was, there was a lot, a lot going, you know, into this in a positive way. And then just, you know, one bad miss, two bad misses. 
uh, a bunch of games without a goal, or maybe it's because he didn't have a good opportunity like you're talking about. So I, I agree. I think, I think this, you know, we're right to kind of hold on to him. Let's give him another shot. But I do think that we have tremendous flexibility up front, which is yes, why and I'm, I think we, I'm not no really upset reason, that we haven't signed anyone. He won the Bundesliga. Let's not forget. I mean, he, he's a player who has, he's got a lot of history. He won the um, yeah, Premier that's, League that's, as well. That's exactly my, he that's did exactly win the my League concern. As well. That's right. That's exactly my but, concern. But he's got a lot of history and I think his best games are beyond, behind him. You know, talk with the city uh, fans and they will tell you most of them loved Zerku, but every one of them said he was, uh, one game he was on fire, the next he was invisible or right. he sucked. He's not the kind of, he was trending downward when he left. He had always scored, what was it, 12 or 14 goals for City while he was there, except for the season he left. I think that he had like seven or something in the league. Yeah. Well, he had 22 so. for them one season, I think. But the thing yeah. is, he had, he's, he's, the, he's not a kind of player that will give you every, a goal each game he plays. He, he will give you maybe a hat trick. Only Destro does that. Yeah. Now the thing is, uh, it, the, the problem with Sekou, and it's always been a problem with him, is he's ha- he has the catch-up effect. When he's on fire, the goals, you know, he he can bag uh, braces and hat-tricks, but when you need that one goal, he won't produce it sometimes. What does that have to do with catch-up? <laughs> yeah. Catch-up <laughs> effect? Is that like, a Norwegian thing? Like ketchup is in tomato <laughs> Yeah. It's it's like when you <laughs> okay I have to explain this metaphor. The catch Please do. <laughs> is when you have the bottle, you know. Yeah. And you the glass with bottle. The ketchup effect is when you have to you know you, <laughs> you try to get ketchup on the plate, but you yeah. get everything. Oh, you, you either know? get nothing or you get all of yes. it, right? It, it's it, it, uh-huh. it finally breaks the seal, so to speak, and then it all comes rushing out. You know, so, leave it to the Norwegians gotcha. to come up with a brilliant analogy like that one. So, so yes. the ketchup effect, you, you guys, yes. <laughs> you, you want I'm to I think, <laughs> you know, I heard a Dimitri Martin that. stand-up joke once about the same thing with ice, like when you try to get a piece of ice in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, or even out of a, a an ice maker, you know. Like yeah. You're putting it in, it's like nothing, 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 nothing. All of a sudden, you're 14 ice cubes. Yeah, exactly. So when I say the ketchup effect, next time you guys won't, you know. We will know what you're talking about. Well, I'm going to forget, so you're going to have to remind me, but Greg will remember. Well, the entire world's going to know once they listen to this podcast. But, so. but you know of the ketchup <laughs> problem, right? You never can have enough, of course. Well, it's stuck in the glass, and you ha- you have to 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 knock it with your hand. Yeah, you got to hit the fifty sevens, man. That's what they're on the bottle for. Yeah. If you're getting Heinz, of course. And then everything comes instead of that little part you want. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> second for you. Playing a little game called just the tip. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this is starting to turn into a different podcast. <laughs> okay. Moving All on. right, so that covers the forwards. <laughs> and this is why we don't record. Um, you know, we <laughs> never talked about, we never talked about, which is actually a very interesting scenario, which is goalkeeping. Um, signed Alisson, and we brought back Chesney. Chesney. Chesney on a straight loan, it should be noted. A lot of speculation he'd be come back permanently right before the deal was signed, which I always thought was odd, but. So. Do we have a start yet? Or 
I think that it would we, be we play in, We play Wednesday, so... I think it's got to be Allison. Yeah, right? I think he had the preseason. He will. He play. had an amazing preseason. I'll, I'll say he, this. Absolutely, he he's looked as confident as a goalkeeper as I think I've ever seen for Rome. I can't remember the last like maybe De Sanctis's first season where all of a sudden he was like almost Morgan class. Yeah, well, I, I don't I don't know that he ever actually had a. I don't think he had a bad really run of form at for Roma. He he was as good an ambassador for the club as as any. Yeah, um, you're right. But but you're but you're right though. I mean that uh, in terms of just being commanding back there like a presence like you know what? Should the defense falter, I feel like this guy is going to do it. Right. And you know, credit to Chesney just my knee last year. <laughs> touch my knee. Um, he made some unbelievable saves, but you still kind of in the back of your head had that. When is you know there, there's probably a howler coming. You know, I was gonna say you you with Chesney, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, and it did not very often. I mean, let's no. face it, he he was fantastic. But let's you know, also let's be realistic. For a club like Roma, you need like <laughs> amazing. You, you you need a you need the goalkeeper that's going to inspire confidence. And yes. but like this is why I'm so optimistic. I think our backline when healthy is going to be fantastic. And then to have a guy like Allison behind them on top of that is mm-hmm. also going to be great. And this yeah. isn't like the first year we had Garcia where it was clearly constructed like for that you know for the short term where it was like we brought back Mike Con, um, who was you know pretty old. Then we had Kasamba Nati, and then the left back was like, we tried Dodo there, and he was whatever. I think Toto this played, and we're like, oh, okay. Um, this, you know, we've, now we've acquired two fullbacks. I think Ruiz 26 and Perez is 27. Like, that is pretty freaking good for the next three, four, five years, um, you know, can see in theory. So, and Allison's young. I think he's, what, 26? Um, I, I don't even think he's that old. He might, which for I mean, twenty six for a goalie is still practically nothing. We've seen we've seen goalies play well into their late thirties, and um, and we bought him. Like this is the first time in how long that we we went out. We identified a target as goalkeeper. We purchased them, and not a not a stopgap, not an aging one, not a loan, but we believed in him enough to purchase him. Which is, I mean, I don't think we even talk enough about that. Twenty four. Twenty four. I mean, yeah, you can get fifteen years out of him. And we got him for what I thought was a very, very good price. I think it was something like six million. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I have been very impressed with what he did in the preseason so far. Uh, and nothing, you know, really kind of said or stood out like hey, this is this is not the leader of our back line. Like Roma's had some goaltenders that like managed. The sticks okay, but they were not leaders of the back Absolutely. line. Absolutely. Morgan DeSanctis was amazing at leading the back line, right? Uh, yes. Allison looks like he's capable of leading the back line. Touch my knee. Did like an average job of and let's, um, leading the back we line. We have to make sure he speaks Italian, um, because yeah. you would imagine that Rui speaks Italian now. Bruno Perez has been at Torino for a couple of years. So he probably knows enough in-game Italian if he's not outright fluent. And then, of course, Manolas has been here for what? This is his third season with the club. Juan Jesus has been at Inter for years. Vermeulen probably doesn't know Italian, but, you know, Chesney, the, you know, the question was always was like the language barrier with the defense. But now we're at the point where I think Italian's probably the standard back there. Right, but, I so, mean, we have two great goalkeepers. I mean, we have to look yeah. out for the, the sour cream effect. <laughs> 
How many how many uh, different adages are there in, in Norwegian that involves food? This is the, the title has to be about like no, I'm condo- just condiments. I'm just I was like, kidding. what in the world is condiments? <laughs> the sour cream effect. We're gonna have to come up with some like <laughs> some kind of analogy that actually works for the sour cream effect. That'll be my homework assignment for the next day. <laughs> oh, oh my god! But yeah, I, I right, think. So anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, this is good. I think I think we're in really good shape. Uh, I just hope it's not like if we do a one A one B thing that like that that the goalies themselves can be okay with that, right? Yeah, we need to have an established um, an established, and it's it's so interesting to see how like different managers stamp their authority via the goalkeeper. I mean, you just have to look at Manchester City earlier today to see what you know yeah. uh, Guardiola is doing with Caballero yeah. and Joe Hart. Yeah, sorry, um, Joe. Yeah, just kind of, and you know what? But Guardiola has his reasons, and who's going to question Pep Guardiola? He was clearly brought in for this exact thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see. Like Spalletti, I think also has earned our trust. If Spalletti starts Chesney on Wednesday, I'm gonna, I'm not going to question him. Um, I think Allison should start, but if he sees something in training or he he believes in it for whatever reason it happens to be, he's earned the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and the good news is there's no financial motivation, right? I mean, in terms of... It's a straight loan as far as I know. Yeah, exactly. So there's, it's not like, well, I'm going to play him because we just bought him. I mean, yes, we did do that for Allison, but he's younger, you know, so you can make the case like, well, that's, that's more on the investment side. So, um, I think, I think honestly, he was brought back as an insurance policy. Well, I mean, you could also down. you can make a really good argument based on what you just said that you should start Szczesny on Wednesday because Allison's you know only really he starts for Brazil now so that's a good you know good plus for like big pressure games but Szczesny started for Arsenal for a while he was on Roma last season as our starting goalkeeper so he's played a lot of big pressure games in England and last season for Roma so and not to be discounted and I'll let you finish in a second but if Vermeilen has to start he's those two have played together. Not also true. Just, and again, if Vermeilen has to start, he's played a lot of big games for Arsenal. He, I think, played a couple of games at least for Barcelona. So, yeah, he did. Um, yes, more than a couple. So, but not so many again, more. Like, he was hurt a lot. So Seven it's interesting. Games. So what do you go with in a Champions League qualifier? Do you pick the guy with a little bit more experience or do you pick the guy you think is the better player? I, I could see the argument both ways. I mean, Allison, yeah. I think, is a better shot stopper from what I've seen. I think he's a better goalkeeper. But maybe you want the guy who knows these players. Maybe you want yeah. the guy who's... Who has the experience on the bigger stage already? And, and let's maybe remember, you carefully groom Allison. Four days later, they have their season opener, right? So yes. you have the other goalie to play that game. And then once you've let them both play, then you can kind of make a decision, especially depending upon the results of the first game, who goes back into that second Champions League game. But oh, wait a minute, right after that, there's, you know, so there's going to be plenty of games in a very short amount of time that you'll be able to get these goalies some work yeah. without really kind of feel like you're, not that anybody cares, but that you're offending one or the other. But safe to say, we have two good goalkeepers regardless yeah. of who's, who he picks. Yeah, it's a good headache to have. I, you kind of feel, let's, let's give a little shout out to Bogdan LeBons, who's been, my god, I think our third choice goalkeeper ever since we started doing this podcast. And you know, we've had a lot of goalkeepers still there. Go. Isn't he? He's I still there. He's yeah, still th- there. Did we just resign him for like three years? I think uh, he yeah, probably has a lifetime contract. Yeah. I think he hangs up his boots when he wants to. Um, yeah. He brings just a lot to the club, and there's a reason why they keep extending him. Um, yeah. he, he he has value that go beyond his uh, uh, performance on the pitch, and and you know you see Roma doing lots of things um, like this around the club and around the organization, and 
And somebody like Balzaretti, who was at the club for what, like a year and a half? Um, yeah, I think and it was, well, yeah, and then it, he was injured for... Yeah, so, I mean, and, and Castan, right, they just extended his contract, so they recognized... Is that official? Have we officially extended Castan? I thought, I didn't think that ever actually went through. I, I thought so, maybe not, but either way, I mean, the fact that they're, you know, in the process of, or, or whatever, uh, I thought in his, uh, SAMP interview that he had mentioned that, that it, that he had gotten it, um, and he so he wanted to say that he was grateful to Roma for that. Yeah, I think um, that's a that's a great gesture by the club. So you, you look at this, and it's it seems like they are trying to build. They're recognizing and appreciating and rewarding character, um, and that to me just I love that. I love that they are doing things like this, um, and and recognizing people that they just like. You know what? You're good for our organization, and. Labont has to be in that category because otherwise, why are we keeping this guy? Skrubsky could have stayed and, and, uh, you know, or exactly. whatever, Svetkowskis, whatever, could stay and be the oh third string God, guy. <laughs> you know, shout he, out to Svetkowskis. Yeah. <laughs> he may not even be on the team anymore. I don't even know, but, um, you know, the, the point is they, they could put anybody in that role. Uh, but they choose to keep putting him there because he just he has a, a piece of value that um, makes the the organization want to keep it. So I, I appreciate that. I really do. All right. So last bit here before we close out, let's just take a look at the season. Give a nice little overview, thoughts, expectations. Maybe maybe we'll talk about uh, all fronts. Give me your all fronts expectations for Roma season, uh, Copa, Champions League. Um, I think the Porto game will be, should we be disappointed if we don't qualify? Yes, we should, but at the same time, we knew this, the second we ended up on third, we would probably be unseated for the draw. So I think if we get the Champions League, um, we will get such a huge boost in confidence, I think. And money. And more. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that, that can't be understated because so many of the rumors that are, were attached to our, they're going to get this player if they qualify for Champions League. Uh, which means we likely have a B list. That means if we don't and we go to the Europa League, we'll get this version of this player. Yeah, but I was also, it's hard to see who else we would sign at this point. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the Mercato is pretty much done. So I'm curious to see what signings are contingent. I feel like it's more sales, if anything. You know, if the money comes in, maybe we don't sell Paredes. But if we don't get that money, maybe we ha- we do have to. But we have him. If we get him, and, and it seems like we do, it's initially a loan with the obligation to buy. So we won't have to deal with the transfer money before on next season's budget. So right. So right. that's and then you know maybe if we automatically qual- if we finish second this year, we automatically qualify again. We know it's coming the next season, so maybe it's not a big deal. Yeah, but, but I don't know. Let, let's let's. I would say this season, without Champions League even, um, I well, Juventus is going to win the league. That's no question, I think. Um, the the biggest question is, well, they just gave, and I must say this, by the way, <clears throat> they sold a 24-year-old world-class midfielder and replaced them him with a very... I mean, a, a superb striker by all means, but he's not worth the price they paid for him, Higuain. Um, but they gave Napoli 
all this money, and that concerns me a bit, because if Napoli is smart, they can spend and improve massively. And uh, that's, yes. that's my biggest concern, actually. Yeah. So yeah. I think But they have, it's point. interesting that they really haven't yet. I, I wonder what Napoli's waiting for. I think part of the problem is when everybody knows they have this, this transfer kitty now. So, you know, they got, I don't, I'm gonna butcher his name. His name isn't Milk, but it looks like Milk. Um, uh, yeah. Milik. So he, Milik, who I think is a good striker, you know, they, they, they already spent a third of the Higuain money on him. Um, so the question is, okay, now, where else do you add to? And is Kubali leaving? Is uh, Raul Abiol leaving? Because if these guys are leaving, now that money has to go to just replacing players. They're not even strengthening their squad. Um, so that's a big headache for them to deal with. So I don't know. I'm curious to see. They, they definitely have money to play around with. And ADL you know, has made some pretty marquee signings in his time. Can they keep the team that they have and make it stronger, though? That's an interesting question. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it will be... I'm quite op- optimistic about Roma's chances for Champions League uh, playoff or second place, but I, I it's it's between Napoli and Roma again because when I look at the eleven we have, the best eleven, I think it's quite impressive. Um, and, yep. and every time I see Perotti playing, I'm, I'm you know, I, I become happy. So. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the season and and it's with Spalletti from the start. It's not with Garcia, so yeah, I'm hopeful. I think that you can write off Inter. I say this every season, but one season they're actually going to get it right, and I think that they have a very very good roster. And um, I think Frank Debar is actually going to be a much better fit for them than Mancini was. Yeah. Um, and they they have a good team. It's a good eleven. They keep Icardi. They you know Perisic. I'm not a huge fan of Kendreva, but I think he can be effective. Um, and they added Everbanega, which is, I think, the player they were crying out for, and they don't have Champions League to worry about. I think they'll take the Europa League seriously, which is good for Italy, um, but I think that, you know, they're going to be focused a lot on the league. When, when you look around the other contenders, like Lazio, I think at this point are kind of, you know, drifting into irrelevance, which is nice. Um, Milan. Milan. Montella, yeah. I, I am not convinced as, with, as a coach at all. They've also really done nothing. I don't know if they're if they're trying to sell keeping Baca as like a huge move, but they were a team that desperately needed more last season. I they haven't brought in really anybody of note. I know they just got sold, and people are saying that they have some money to spend now, and they'll have more in the in January. So like let's me you know let's see what happens. But without signings, I this is going to be the same old thing for Milan um, and Fiorentina. I mean, again, they're another club that. The Dele Valleys either don't have the money or they don't seem terribly interested in pumping it into them, so they're kind of stuck. So I think Inter, Roma, and Napoli are going to be for the Champions League places. It's Juve are so deep now and such a well-oiled machine and have such a good coach that it's you know uh, I think that Roma winning the league would be a, a monumental task. Um, a huge you know it'd be amazing, amazing, amazing. But I think it would be down to a little bit of Juventus fatigue and winning the league and. Focusing so much on the Champions League, if anything. But it's, I mean, their B team is better than most teams in the league. So it's, you know, they can rotate all they want. And, you know, you bring out Higuain, you put him on Zukic, like, that's not, you know, that's still going to destroy most teams. So it's hard, it's hard to look past them. But I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think we have probably the second deepest team in the league. I think we have one of the smartest coaches in the league. I think we have a lot of different weapons. Um, it's just it's it's all about fitness for Roma. I mean, we're starting the season with two starting defenders already injured. Um, 
So it's yeah. unfortunate, but if we can keep if we can keep the wins coming until the bodies are fit, once we all get rearing, it'll it'll be a pretty sight to see, I think. Yeah, agreed. Greg? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you guys kind of uh, nailed it all. I don't I don't see us taking the title, um, but I I would say that Champions League qualification, direct qualification, is very much uh, a target that we should be. Shooting for and likely, you know, should achieve. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely going to come down to, um, how healthy we are. Uh, you know, Champions League, you know, I, again, I, putting it in a different way, I could easily see us advancing in the Champions League as, as I can, uh, not, you know, kind of like Alex said, you know, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, they're it's an open game. Is, it is because they're. I mean, they they are a very similar club to ours, right? I mean, they yeah. and and they're kind of they're already in play, so they've got that above us. Um, th- there's a lot of things about this game that I'm not super like thrilled with, but at the same point in time, I really like our team. I really do. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting is, um, a good game. Yeah, just getting away goal. And yeah. take like come back home with a goal in your pocket, which and I think is doable for this team. Don't let them score in either game, and I think we'll be okay if we do that. Yeah, I think the secret is we score and they don't, and I think we'll be yeah. totally fine if we can I figure that so. out. I think so. I think, and I think that's one of the things that Spalletti brings is the understanding of how wins and losses work. Right. Um, Apparently, it's all clearly Garcia goals. was a fan of the draw, so he right. didn't understand it. So now, if but we he, focus, he on progressed the, to the to the knockout stage. So. <laughs> With with the lowest points ever that a team progressed to the knockout stage. But you know what? It, does it matter? <laughs> Once you're out, you're out. It's true. It's true. But that's more luck than it had anything to do with uh, Garcia's. I th- well, I think it says coach. a lot about the group and how the group played out. So. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's going to be tough, and uh, so I'm not going to really, I'm not going to hang my. Hopes and dreams on them advancing in the in the Champions League. It's obviously very significant with regards to the financial implications, because mm-hmm. um, not only does it give more money to us, but if we don't win, it gives more money to the other teams. And uh, the last thing we want is to give them more money. Exactly. Uh, so you know, the, there's definitely some massive implications, but I yeah. I also don't think it's a make or break for for Roma. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just want to close out the pod. By saying yeah. that um, when we win the Champions League this year and Alessandro Florenzi scores a hat-trick against, you know, whoever it happens to be, Barcelona, Real Madrid. While playing yeah, center back. While playing center back because um, yeah. everyone else is injured. And he gets rightly recognized as the greatest vice-vice captain in the world. When we record our next podcast in August of 2017, I want to be the first to say I told you so. <laughs> Excellent. That, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I did have my Garcia, I told you so moment today, so why right, not? Next year it's my turn. Yeah, next year it's your turn. <laughs> and then Alex, you got 2018, okay? Yeah, right. you gotta come up with, and you could come up with some more other, uh, condiment, uh, analogy that you can, <laughs> met- metaphor <laughs> yeah. that we can use, uh, horse, something about horseradish. Alright. <laughs> something about horseradish should be the name of this pod. Yeah, I think so. Alright, well guys, listen. Uh, we, we say it every time and we should do it more often. And so here's, here's me raising a glass to that we can actually hit that fulfillment and that requirement this year. Cheers. Uh, I don't think we can do it any less often. 
So yeah. That's good. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Uh, but it's been great. I'm really looking forward to the season and, and hopefully, uh, you know, the, the team kind of sparks us to get our rears in gear to record more because clearly there's an audience. Um, and which, by the way, I want to say thank you to every time we post something on Twitter from the LaMagicast account, like the, the people that come out and say, like, please record, please record, please record. Thank you so much. That really means yeah. a lot. And it, and don't take our inability to record as a slight of your, you know, following us. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and we are going to endeavor to meet that demand. All right. All right. We're wrapping All right. up. I believe I believe we end it with me saying grazie Roma. Grazie Roma. Grazie Ciao. Roma. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao, Ciao guys. Ciao.